Hello everyone, we uh, welcome you to another podcast of Imperfect Parenting. Uh, we're sitting here on the brown couches in Rob's office uh, with the leaf blower going outside and um, yeah, looking forward to hear what Rob has to share with us today. Rob? Yes, morning Stu and morning everyone. Um, yes, idyllic settings. Um, so Stu, good to talk as always. And what I thought I'd do today is just first up, um, summarize briefly where we're at at this stage. And what I was saying in the previous podcast is that I'd like for folk to think of imperfect parenting as really running at two levels. Um, the first being to accept and relax into the fact that we're not supposed to be perfect, that we're allowed to make mistakes and that there's incredible richness actually in mistakes. Um, it does depend on how we take those mistakes, but that, that's really what um, wel- welds families together um, over time. And we've spoken a bit about that and we'll definitely return to that um, rich element um, in, in future sessions. The other, uh, the other aspect of imperfect parenting, I want to just emphasize it a little bit more now because it's one that's easily underestimated, and that is um, the idea that we must accept that we're not perfect. That <laughs> I was saying to you uh, before we started uh, that, to me anyway, I can think of maybe two cardinal errors um, that parents make, you know, two, two big mistakes where I start to worry as a practitioner. And the first and maybe most obvious would be where a parent simply doesn't care, you know. So the parent says, you know, they're, they're not invested. They don't actually want to take up the, the yoke of parenting. And that's a problem, of course. Um, it's almost like an identity that the person doesn't want to step into. That's a big problem. And, uh, you yeah, we have to approach that in a certain way. But the other end, uh, uh, maybe less obvious, less overt, but no, no less harmful actually element uh, or mistake cardinal mistake that 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 makes me worry is funny enough when we as parents are too certain um, too sure that we are doing the right thing Um, now it's not that I want us to walk on eggshells and doubt our every move and certainly not at the level of kind of values or good values you know we've all of us walk around with a core sense of right and wrong I'm not saying that we must question that at every turn. It's really at the relational interface that I'm interested in people being uncertain. And you know, Stu, I think back to um, a a mum that I was working with um, some time ago, and she'd run aground with her teenage daughter. They'd really, really come to significant uh, uh, logjam where the two of them simply could not see eye to eye. And the daughter was, you know, if she could have, she would have divorced her mom, you know. So she was really in that kind of, uh, I give up, I can't work with my mom. But like, um, I get with you sometimes, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, and thank goodness for our watertight contract. Um, I'm so glad I paid those lawyers the handsome fees I did. (laughs) But, uh, you know, um, uh, and then in seeing the mom, and really just asking her, you know, to, to maybe step back and look at some of the things that she was doing. And she was, you know, uh, just gunning and going at what she believed to be right. And she felt, I think the problem was she was so passionate about what she thought was right that she couldn't see uh, the young teenager in front of her. She'd actually become interpersonally blind. And this is the risk, I think. It's almost like 
we are so stuck to what we what we know or what we think and we have an emotional attachment to those beliefs and sometimes that emotional attachment and this is the weird thing that emotional attachment actually trumps our attachment to the child in that moment and what worries me about that is that that is when we can actually be to put it bluntly pretty cruel as parents we can actually do something that really uh, can end up hurting the child and damaging the relationship. So although I'm perhaps laying it on a bit thick this morning, it's just because I want to encourage all of us that, you know, that it's a good thing interpersonally to stay uncertain. You know, here I am sitting across uh, the room from you and I, 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 must, I must always hold on to the truth that I don't know you better than you know yourself. I'm not an authority on Stu. The minute I think that I can read your mind or that I know exactly what's good for you is uh, the minute that I become actually a liability to you uh, in this relationship. So Rob, I mean, that's that's really interesting stuff. And, and I wonder, certainly the thing that passes through my mind is uh, I, I, I can see that at times happening for me that, you know, I'm certain I know what the right thing here is okay uh and one feels like that maybe we oscillate sometimes uh not kind of knowing okay do i need to be uncertain in this moment do i need to be you know certain in this moment because there are moments where, where you do want to be certain i mean how do you how do you deal with that because there are times where you just like this 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 has got to be <laughs> this is not okay you know um and then there's other times where you kind of well am i have I crossed that line of of actually just being too too certain of myself and, and, and what is right and what is wrong in a situation? I don't know if any of that makes sense. It absolutely does, and I'm aware that I'm raising a tricky a tricky topic. Um, you know, uh, and again, it's not that I want us to now feel incredibly insecure as parents, where we're not allowed to parent from the gut, because I actually think we need to parent from the gut. We can't uh, we can't have too much head knowledge and rush and walk around thinking I've got to follow this or that bit of advice. And really, if we're going to parent from the gut, we are parenting from an ethical or moral center, if you like. And I don't want us to now, you know, radically revise or question what we believe to be right or wrong. Um, and I think we do need to stay close to our values, to things that we, we believe in. And those things are oftentimes... You know, let's take, for instance, honesty. You know, I mean, who's going to say that, you know, dishonesty is a good thing? The problem, though, comes in where I am uh, so uh, caught up in, if you like, the morality or the, the values of what I'm trying to parent, what I'm trying to get across to my child, that I lose sight of the person and I, and I forget that he or she has actually got their own moral center and they share a similar moral a framework to me it's just that they don't live in the same world as I do so their experience of that moral has got to be filtered through their experience otherwise it's not going to bite for them and they're going to think that I'm imposing something on them so how do you do that Rob how, how do you keep that person and that they're different how do you keep them there and and not allow yourself to uh, to just focus on your on yourself and your moral center and where, where you are Okay, so I mean, uh, now I'm going to think of myself as a dad, of course. And I think that this probably most often, not always, but it's most often evident in the teenage years when, you know, teenagers are busy wrestling, you know, what do I think? And, you know, 
my folks don't know a lot, so you know I'm going to bat for my my own perspective on things. And I think what I what I do first up is I realize that now I've got an issue. I believe that this is important, and I want my son to understand it. I want him to see where I'm coming from. But step one for me actually is to calm down because usually I've got a lot of indignation going on inside of me. I'm pretty righteous. I'm angry, and I want to now sort of you know, make a few pronouncements and get him to darn well toe the line. I've got to calm that part of me down. I've got to say to him, you know, you're not going to be helpful in this moment. You're going to tank it. So step one is calm down. Step two is actually for me to try and understand what's going on in his head and to try and work out his take on the same moral quandary because he will have a take. He will have a sense of right and wrong. And if I miss that, if I impose my perspective on him, he won't hear a word I say after that. So step two is to make sure that I've heard and understood his take on the same issue. And only then, once I've heard it and made darn sure that I understand, and that can take more than a day, I'll be honest, is then I come back and I look for a chance to say, I'm troubled by this, and here's where I'm coming from. And I will let him know what my what my perspective on it is. I might have changed it because I've listened to him a bit better. I might have actually shifted my, my actual take on what he should do in the real world. It's not that the, my moral has changed, it's just that how he should go about it might have shifted a bit. And then I guess what I try to do is I try to come up with a perspective that embraces his reality and mine um, because as I think all of us know um, the world out there to try to do the right thing well you've got to keep working at that it's a dynamic thing it's not like you can fit a template on the world what's right is actually a fluid thing yes we want to do what's right but it shifts and uh, and, 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 and is flexible to all kinds of nuances and interpersonal complexities Sure. And um, so step one, and we've talked about this before, um, that, that calm, calm down bit. Um, I mean, would you, would you step away from the situation to calm yourself down? Would you, how would you go about that as, as, a, as a starting point of calming yourself down? Yeah, for me, I mean, stepping away is a good thing. So slowing it down um, and uh, making sure that I have the time to get my bearings um, I think that, in fact, there's no doubt that when I was younger, it was harder. I think because my feelings were, you know, I wasn't used to watching my own feelings. So they would ambush me and I'd go into that amygdala hijack, the amygdala being the part of the brain that secretes adrenaline or is responsible for adrenaline secretion. And I would go into the red zone and I would definitely say and do things that were, were not great. Um, so certainly maybe... You know, one of these days I'll, I'll tell you some of those stories of really shocking parenting. But I've learned over the years not to do that and to recognize when I'm running hot. And then I will actually slow down. I will, if needs be, step away. That definitely gives me a chance to go on to the next step um, and be more, more able to listen to my son. Awesome, Rob. And uh, so I have, I have two things on that. The one is, is that I can... Um, empathize with those shocking parenting moments because i've done them too and uh and yeah I'll walk away and sort of say what what went on there uh, how did i how did i get there um but the second one is that i'm, I'm really um quite concerned about is is that um you seem to to calm yourself down with everyone else except except me rob 
<laughs> you know, everyone's got their limits, Stu. And uh, <laughs> just just joking. Um, so yeah, so I think that brings us to the end of of um, of our, our next podcast, and uh, we will probably keep going talking a little bit more on some of these things in, in the next podcast so join us on on social media check out some of the quotes that we're going to be putting up and uh and ask us some questions um and we can hopefully answer some of those questions